3: the following program is a podcast1.com production.
0: He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. This, this, this is Talk Is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, starring Chris Jericho.
4: Welcome to Talk Is Jericho, the Pot of Thunder. And Rock and Roll O. The spell of boredom, Yoranda, will slowly be broken by Chris Jericho. I love it. The People's Podcast has arrived. Let's go for a ride. It's going to get gone, link on, get gone, bone gone, link on, will be gone, will be gone. Boom boom boom, link on, tick to on, tick to on, they ain't gone, it's on gone, on, will be gone. Oh, my time has come. Oh, the time has. come. link on, will be gone, will be gone. Get to to people, don't you fear the reaper? People don't you understand? Baby, don't you feel the creeper? Come on, baby, take my hand. La 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 la. Skank o gong o gong o gong La 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 la. Skank o gong o gong o gong o gong o gong gong. And it's Friday. It's- What a great show today. Rob Zombie coming up. New live DVD release, The Zombie Horror Picture Show. New book out as well, a companion piece. You know, we're going to talk all things zombie musically, and of course, Movie-wise, he's a director, made some great horror movies. He loves horror movies. He just announced his latest movie, too, under the title 31, which I think might be the release date. I think it's going to be Halloween 3. That's my opinion. Hasn't revealed too much more about it, except for his guitar player, John 5, will be scoring the film. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying to you right now? Also, I'll be taking your phone calls a little later in the show. You can ask me whatever you want. No limits, no restrictions, no restriction. Keep your eye on the Twitter. up. Phone number we posted at Talk is Jericho. Don't you dare miss it. Also, the return of fish expert Ash Irvin. He's standing by right here live in the studio. But before we get to him, I just wanted to give another big thank you and yeah, boy, to you guys for checking out my sponsors. Supporting them means I get to do this show for free twice a week for you. I want to keep it that way and I know you want it to. The easiest way to do that is to go to podcast1.com. That's podcast e.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts free banner at the top of the page. That will take you to Talk Is Jericho and links to all of my Sexy Beast sponsors, including Amazon in the U.S., U.K., and in Canada. So, Please go to podcast1.com. Click on the keep our podcast free. Banner at the top of the page. Click, click, banner at the top of the page. Click, click, then click on Talk is Jericho. Find all my great sponsors. Spend as much money as you want and keep my show free for you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Couple uh the last couple of weeks I've been asking you to send in your questions at Talk Is Jericho on the Twitter app for Fish Expert Ash Irvin. He's standing here live in the studio. You took the podcast World by Storm last time, kind of a surprise hit. Uh, People have been requesting to have you back. A lot of people have said that uh, you were one of their favorite guests ever here on Talk is Jericho. How how has it changed your life? Have you been able to leave the house without being besieged by paparazzi and autograph seekers?
2: Fortunately, yes. I have been able to leave the house without anybody bothering me too bad. Did you
4: tell your friends you're on the show?
2: Uh, a few of them.
4: Did anybody listen? No. <laughs> well, you had a lot of people that listened that are uh, Talk is Jericho fans. So I had them uh, send some questions in uh, to ask you, the fish expert, under the hashtag Ask Ash. They sent it to the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho. So you got a lot of people that want to pick your scientific brain being the expert that you have, all the travels that you've done. Um, it's funny, because what were you just doing before you came in here?
2: I was watching River Monsters. It's a show where the host, his name is Jeremy Wade, and he just fishes. He fishes and catches, or he's... Um,
4: he catches strange kinds of fish. Yeah, and
2: that have been accused of murder of people.
4: And you, you actually even once said that Jeremy Wade is your hero.
2: Yes, yes I have.
4: Even more so than your dear old dad? Uh, no comment (laughs) okay so the reason i asked you is that we had uh at poker jack says ask ash if he is a river monster fan
2: well yes i am at
4: poker jack poker jack but but get into it but you actually have seen every single episode of river monsters
2: pretty much every single episode except for the new ones
4: What's your favorite episode what's your favorite episode that that's ever uh the craziest thing he's ever caught?
2: He's probably caught the um Tom Assassin. It's a um Wells catfish that was caught out of coo- cooling pond from Chernobyl. Wow. Yeah. Was
4: it like mutated or something?
2: Not that he could tell like it didn't show any physical features that were mutated but you know genetics and stuff like that. Didn't wow. Really for the testings.
4: Cuz you've shown me quite a few episodes of River Monsters. Yes. Jeremy Wade is quite the. Maybe you could be the next Jeremy Wade at some point. Hopefully. Be a good gig, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, At DAB Savage wanted to know what's the most villainous creature in the sea? And what's the nicest creature in the sea?
2: Well, the villainous, most villainous creature, it would depend on if you're referring to looks, behavior, or like. Looks or behavior; those depend. And for the nicest,
4: well, so we'll go back to the hill. So for for looks, what's the most evil fish? Look, you would probably
2: like? think it would be either the. It would probably be a deep sea fish, depending on the goblin shark, or an anglerfish, because the anglerfish has big jaw, big jaws. It's all. It could also be put in like behavior, because it attacks and it's got those big, mean-looking jaws. And then there's the goblin shark. Which is a pink shark? It's yeah, I know it's pink, but so even though it's
4: pink, it may yeah. seem girly, but it's not.
2: It's not. It's got um, its jaws aren't connected to its um, you know, like to the- its head. So when it when it bites, the jaws shoot forward, grab the prey, and then bring it back. And then it's got this sort of like a snout, it is pretty ugly too. And then it's got. Right above its snout, it's like a unicorn horn or something. Wow.
4: So yeah. it's pretty evil looking. Yes. How about the nicest sea the creature? The
2: nicest? Well, I mean, the most friendly, the friendliest one would probably be a seahorse. Because seahorses come up and, you know, check you out. So mm-hmm. with sharks, sharks, it all depends. Some sharks will check you out and then leave you alone.
4: What um, sharks are those?
2: there sometimes great white sharks will just check you out when you're in a cage most most sharks in the world will check you out without hurting you
4: hmm are there some that would hurt you
2: yeah like this is based off basic knowledge of mine um i am presuming it's either a bull shark a mako shark or possibly even a sand tiger shark
4: oh so those are the worst ones yes okay at Steppy Tay wants to know what's your favorite shark?
2: My favorite shark is a um a crocodile shark. By the way, I love that name, Steppy Tay. And <laughs> why awesome. do you
4: like why do you like crocodile sharks?
2: Crocodile sharks are just, you know, they they only they're not too big. Mm-hmm. They're 3 feet long, have mm-hmm. little tiny jaws and big huge eyes. They live deeper down. They live in the midnight zone. No, twilight zone. Um and they're named because when fishermen ne- neck them up and get them on the deck of their boat, they snap their jaws hard and just... To make that a sound? Crocodile.
4: No. Oh, but. okay, so like a crocodile. What's your Okay, what's your favorite type of whale?
2: Probably baleen whale.
4: Why is it baleen whale? Uh,
2: baleen whales are just pretty... They're just funny to look at. Pretty much. Are they big whales? Yeah, they're big whales.
4: I've never heard of a baleen whale before.
2: They've got really big heads, and they're just really funny to look at because they look like their their bodies are smaller than their heads, and they're just like big heads with small bodies, and it's just funny to look at.
4: Okay, so the baleen whale. Okay, so we all have another question here from at John Riot all the way from Australia. People Mm. are sending in questions from Australia. (laughs) Like that, <laughs> he wants to know what is the smallest and deadliest octopus that you know.
2: A blue ringed octopus. Really? Mm-hmm.
4: Where like, where are they, where are they found?
2: They're found in the Great Barrier Reef. In Australia. Yeah, yeah in Australia. Wow. So watch out, John.
4: <laughs> what are they? They have bad poisons. They're or?
2: very poisonous and they're small. They're pretty poisonous and small. Okay. And live mainly in reefs.
4: Does the octopus bite you or does it sting you? It or? will
2: bite you, and it's got—I believe it's neurotoxin. Oh, that so. it will bite you, and then the neurotoxin will just eventually kill you. Wow.
4: Soon. Okay. Um, at Neil Malone wanted to know uh, he he really thought you had a good opinion of the Loch Ness monster and what it might be. Thank you. Do you think there could be similar creatures elsewhere in the world?
2: Well. Yes, there could. I mean there's like the sur- sturgeon is basically a living uh, dinosaur. so is the um, alligator gar.
4: What's so an alligator gar? An
2: alligator gar for all fishermen who know what a gar gar is, they're basically big, big, big fish. They get about maybe 16 feet with I mean I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. and then they have really long teeth and they've got big snouts. Really tough scales. You'll cut yourself on that. And they're very aggressive.
4: Oh, okay. All right. Even um, small ones. People learning a lot of things from Ash Irvin, the fish expert, at USS One Hunk wants to know Do you think a megalodon shark could still exist today?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know. Because.
4: Now, what exactly is it, what, before you get into that answer starting up, what exactly is a megalodon shark?
2: A megalodon shark is a prehistoric um, great white shark that uh, feasted on whales and lived like 200 million years ago and grew to 60 feet uh, long and, like I said, ate whales and it died out quite a long time ago. like,
4: like Millions um, of years ago? Yeah, or? millions of years How did they know that it even existed?
2: They have found teeth that are about as big as maybe my hand which
4: got a big hand there, yeah. About about 8 to 9 inches long maybe. Yeah. So the teeth were that big.
2: Cuz that's the only thing they found of that's the only thing they can find of prehistoric sharks cuz they don't have bones. All sharks have cartilage, not bones. The only bones in their bodies are the teeth. Really? Yes.
4: Wow, you're just <laughs> you're on fire today, Ash Irvin. Uh, and somebody else here wants to know uh, at MJ March Four Seven. Recently, fishermen made news when one caught a goblin shmar- shark and another caught a megamouth. These sharks. Are, what do you think about this? Because these sharks are very rare. Why are they so rare?
2: Well, for one, the goblin sharks, like I discussed f- the f- before, mm-hmm. live deep down in the m- midnight zone.
4: What's the Midnight Zone?
2: Midnight Zone is the deepest part of the ocean. Okay. There's the um, sun, Sunlight Zone, Twilight Zone, and Midnight Zone. Midnight Zone is the deepest zone there is. Okay. And they're just very rare to hook up and get out of the water because, you know, they're, they, they're so far down and they're really rare. You don't often see them except when they wash up, wash up on beaches or when someone catches them. Okay. And a megamouth. A megamouth are very rare. They're like whale sharks and basking sharks. But they're way more they're way rarer. Okay. And they just have like their name suggests, huge mouth, mouths. Huge heads, huge bodies. They're just huge.
4: Okay. Gotcha. And so rare. Hence the name megamouth. All right, we're, we're running out of time. we got time for two more questions. you got so many more. I mean, it's ridiculous how many people responded to this, how famous you are right now. At Jonathan Biggs wanted to know, what's the largest fish known to man?
2: Well, the f- largest fish known to man is the whale shark. The largest creature known to man is the blue whale.
4: Okay, gotcha. So there's a lot of big, big fish out there. Uh, wrapping it up, at Benny Coles wants to know, if ash could be a fish or a sea creature what kind of a fish or sea creature would he be?
2: Well, I'm not going to say a crocodile shark because, you know, sh- they're rare and, you know, they're... Kind of ugly? Yeah, kind of ugly. But I would definitely want to be a decent-sized grouper, of maybe like maybe a gag grouper or a goliath, a goliath grouper. Why is that? Well, I like groupers. They're cool. And uh, last, er, last year for my birthday... Me and my dad caught a huge gag grouper.
4: How big was it? Four feet? Three feet. Three, three feet. feet okay. Like six inches. <laughs> Four feet if dad's telling the story, three feet, <laughs> six inches if Ash is telling the truth. That was fun though.
2: Yeah, that was really fun.
4: Okay, so grouper's your favorite fish. Uh, always a completely uh, amazing experience to have Ash Irvin, the fish expert here learning so much about sea creatures and all things aquatic. Uh, We'll have to have you back on the show again soon. Uh, Until then, any final words for all of your fans that sent in these questions?
2: Thank you for all the um, questions. Um, I hope you guys, you know, liked it. And see you next time, but you never know. (laughs) I'm out. Peace.
4: Thanks to Ash Urban for all of his insight and amazing, amazing knowledge and mind we'll uh, have him back on again soon with more of your questions and today later on rob zombie coming up the longest
0: field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho.
4: All right, I'm here in Rob Zombie's dressing room. The funny thing is I came in here... And we started recording, I didn't have you plugged in, and thank God I realized beforehand I didn't have (laughs) you plugged in then afterwards, right?
3: Well all you missed was us talking about (coughs) how
4: bad this couch is sitting on. It's funny because we're here backstage at Carolina Rebellion and it's a huge, huge festival But it's always kind of the same. You go into the dressing room and we could be at Carolina Rebellion or we could be at, you know, Shecky's Bar and Grill in Peoria, (laughs) Illinois.
3: I know the wood paneling that never (laughs) dies, the double wide mobile home. It's
4: total 1975, right? (laughs) Never (laughs) But I mean, you're one of the busiest guys. You know, you're always actually kind of a lot like me. You do a lot of different things, but it all comes from the heart. You do things that interest you which is always really cool. Um, you're kind of touring w- behind the new record. Uh, and I always forget the name of the title. It's not easy. <laughs> Everyone says it wrong. Venomous <laughs> Rat Regeneration Vendor. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Here's the here's the cliche question. How did you come up with that?
3: Uh, yeah, I don't even know how I came up with that. I remember we were recording, and we recorded the record at my house. Uh-huh. And I was taking a lunch break, eating a sandwich, and I think I just, I don't know, I just came up with it. Most of the stuff would happen like that. You need to hammer hammer away in the, in the
4: studio. Yeah. <laughs> makeshift studio. And then just take a break and go, ah, I think I have it. What's well, not the first time you've always had kind of interesting uh, song titles and interesting, you know, album titles? You always do things kind of outside of the norm. Yeah, I mean, you know. Whoever said everything has to make sense, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's also kind of how you kind of established your, uh, I mean, your your individuality and established your band right from the start with White Zombie was Always a little bit different, especially when you came out late 80s, early 90s. I mean, the scene was completely different, but you always stood out. Yeah. Was it hard at first to... Um, I mean anytime you do Something different people are Always kind of looking at you Like oh this will never work Oh well I mean We never really did it I mean
3: in the early days The scene we started in Was sort of that Lower east side Almost like art rock scene Mm -hmm. It wasn't like metal Where where, where were you from? Well I was living in New York Okay I mean I was from Massachusetts But by that point I had been living in New York Just to go to school and stuff And it really was like, you know, the scene was it seemed like the thing in that scene was to be as different from everybody else as possible. Like nobody wanted to be the same as anyone else. So that made sense to me. So you're always like trying to outdo the other bands by who can be weirder or more different. And then towards the end of the '80s, we sort of started playing metal clubs like places like Lemoores in Brooklyn. And then we started playing with metal bands, and it was really weird because we didn't fit at all. And then when we started touring with those bands, first I remember the first real tour we did was opening for Testament, mm-hmm. and the crowd hated us. And then we toured with Danzig and Megadeth and Anthrax, and it just never made any sense. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it made sense, but sure. at that point, at it the didn't time, make it didn't. Sense. Though. No. Oh no, no, we go open for the Cro-Mags and Lemoores <laughs> and you got like fifteen hundred skinheads looking at us like, what? The is this right? I guess they're here and they're f- hanging out with the chromags, so we have to respect them on some level, but we don't like it. Yeah, if they're on the build, <laughs> the
4: chromags must like them, yeah, but we don't have to. It, the, the, somehow they got in the door, so we'll deal with it. But <laughs> well, I mean, I remember the first time I, s- I started hearing about, about White Zombie, I used to think that Thunder Kiss 65 was a Pantera song because both How's you guys funny. came out at the same time, and I didn't know the difference. You know, I was a real maiden priest yeah, yeah. metal kid, and I was also a huge trouble fan. And I oh, went yeah, to see yeah. you guys at the Warfield, and it was Pantera, White Zombie, and Trouble. <laughs> you know, like,
3: Wait, these are three different bands? <laughs>
4: yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I love Trouble so much. Trouble were great. Great band, yeah. you know, kind of underrated, kind of started a whole a whole scene in a way. Yeah. And then when you guys came on, I'll never forget, you came on stage, and... I kept waiting for you to sing. Like, the, the band was rocking. You were on yeah. stage, but there was some kind of a, a mess up with the mic. There was no sound. Yeah.
3: No, that's, that's funny that you remember that. Cause do you I remember that? Oh, I remember that. Really? Yeah. Because that was the last time I, I would ever go on stage without checking the mic. I mean, we would do sound check or whatever. Yeah. But now, I will always check the mic before I walk out. And even if the someone I trust goes, nope, it's all good, I go... <laughs> It's not that I don't believe you, but I don't believe you. Yeah. So you got to know for yourself. Yeah.
4: Well, because I remember too, It's like, like you just never stopped rocking. That was the best thing. You just kept going. Like if there's no, if there's no vocal, I'm still going to dance <laughs> and put on a show. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That was, I still remember that. that probably because it's the only time we Isn't were Isn't that crazy there. though? Yeah. Yeah.
4: That was back in probably about ninety two. I think it was. And actually, uh, I started using. I was wrestling a lot in Japan at the time, and I used to use Thunderkiss sixty five. Yeah, (laughs) and then did you uh, start in Japan? I started in Japan. Yeah. Well, I started kind of. You know, in small time, Canada, right, right, right. and then moved to Mexico. But Japan was kind of where I started to make my money. Right and I used Thunder Kiss until ECW started using it. Then I switched over to Electric Head, oh, part two. ECW used it. Yeah, they did. That was their theme song. Of course, I'm sure you made millions off the rights, oh, right? Yeah. Now that I know about it. <laughs> but I, I loved uh, Electric <laughs> Head when you had that, that BMF. Is like, I just set up yours, baby. <laughs> yeah. like, how, like That was always part of your scene. Obviously, you're a kid from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. You always were using like, these really cool samples and stuff. Yeah,
3: I forget sometimes where they came from from but I would mm-hmm. you know and I never really would search them out. I would just be watching something. I think that was from um Shaft. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. that's from Shaft, I think. If I remember correctly. Or Superflyers. Or I think it was Shaft. Yeah, i just sit up yours, baby. Um, <laughs> and I just go, that's hilarious. I yeah. got to use that. I don't know why. And I it just, just was it. perfect, though. It yeah. just
4: kicked off this really cool vibe, you know? And uh, I, were things different then? Like, could you use samples and not have to worry about. Because things have changed, right? Like, in the last 10, 15 well, years. Well, right? yeah. I mean, back
3: then, I don't think anybody was looking for. I mean, you know, the rap thing changed everything because people were just pulling everything and then no mm-hmm. one was paying anything and then everybody started paying for right. everything. Right. I said listen to some of these rap albums like how do they make a penny the the money they must pay out in rights but um yeah no it was after that people got more uptight Mm -hmm. about stuff but I still kind of kept doing it. I remember
4: uh, I think it was Paul's Boutique is like the most sampled record of all time it was before the uh you know the laws came into play you know where you you had to really worry about that What, what were you like who were you listening to when you were a kid well, I mean, I mean, I was a typical '70s
3: kid. I mean, it was all whatever was on the radio. I mean, mm-hmm. I was thinking my top things as a kid, and I have this picture, and it's, it's a, it was Alice Cooper and Elton John, and finally at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I got a good picture of me alice and elton john together <laughs> and uh i was like wow that's amazing yeah it was, it was really kiss alice cooper and elton john were the three things that i was obsessed with as a kid
4: which is interesting mix because your show is is a kind of a collection of all those you know you, you...
3: yeah i mean i just but everything was like that it didn't matter mm. if it was barry manilow or diana ross everybody had a huge crazy show
4: yeah oh, it was yeah, all yeah. about
3: the show i mean probably alice started that insanity but even if you watched, like you know the Whatever, Sid and Marty Kruff, Brady Bunch, Friday <laughs> Hour—it was a big show involved, you know. So I just always thought, oh, you need a big show. Although now we don't have a big show because I'm sick of it. But um,
4: <laughs> you've, you've, you've scaled back on yeah, the show. Yeah, no, it's funny because uh, you became kind of the guy that was doing all the well, stuff. Well, on
3: Mayhem, we took out so much production mm-hmm. last summer that it was retarded. Mm-hmm. And so we went out with Corn a while back on this Night of Living Dread saying, I'm like, let's not take anything. And wow. We took nothing. And after doing the whole tour, not one person mentioned the production really? not being there. I was like, are you serious? I've wasted <laughs> millions and millions of dollars over the years,
4: and no one even noticed it wasn't there. Well, it's interesting, though, because, I mean, you are, uh, you know, not just to say this to butter your popcorn, but you're a great front man. I mean, you have a lot of energy, a lot of vibe, and I can see why people, you know, the effects are great, but when you are the center of attention and John is a great performer yeah, and your I band mean, is great performers, it almost kind of goes away.
3: I think they, yeah, I think sometimes they zone out on the visuals. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It works either way. I mean, and and for myself, a lot of times when I've like going back to say Alice Cooper, I saw Alice maybe a year ago or so. He played a a little secret show at the Whiskey Mm -hmm. with nothing. Mm -hmm. Literally the best show I've ever seen him do. I mean, I've probably seen him a hundred times. That was my favorite show of all the shows with nothing
4: because it's so weird. I remember Paul Stanley said once, he goes, you can't put makeup on a, on a record. Yeah. You know, it's all about yeah. the tunes.
3: And I've seen kiss with nothing. One time they played the foundations for, oh, remember that thing? yeah. They played with nothing. It
4: was great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just saw Springsteen the other night, like two nights yeah. ago and dude, I probably knew three songs. Yeah. But one of the best shows I've ever seen just because of the energy and yeah. the vibe and, you know, no pyro, no, no.
3: Sometimes the production makes you feel like you're not in a rock band anymore. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you're sort of like Siegfried and Roy out there trying to hit stage cues and move before giant props. Probably the audience loves it. Or maybe I hope they do. They did. But um, for, as a band, I think it eats away at the band, and every once in a while, you got to scale it back
4: before you become sort of a joke. You become like a novelty of yourself. Because yeah. how and, far can you take it, right?
3: And you, Yeah, it starts being ridiculous. Like, what are we, are we all going to come riding out on camels next? Like, what do you do after <laughs> a while? You just run out of things to do. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you have a, a DVD coming out. Uh, Which is the ridiculous The zombie show. horror picture yeah. show. That's <laughs> the one, right? That's That is that kind of like closing the chapter on the on the big shows. For now, it
3: is yeah. I was like the show can't get any bigger because you know we're playing all the big outdoor venues and like the show would barely fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I go, we better film it now because it's ridiculous. The show is absolutely absurd. And, um, I mean, it, it came out great. I mean, it plays like a movie. It's really cool. I wanted it to seem that
4: way. So
3: it's all there forever. And, you know, maybe we'll bring it back one day, different, or maybe we won't. I don't know.
4: But this is like a concert film. I'm sure yeah. you directed it and edited it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I really wanted it to be – I mean, everybody there's, – there's a million concert films. But mm-hmm. for some reason, they all seem to be um, the same nine or 12 cameras in the same position. One's on the jib over the crowd, a couple on – you know, on, on – whatever fucking Dolly tracks here and there yeah, yeah. and they all look the same it doesn't matter if it's Willie Nelson or it's Slayer they tend to like shoot zoom them the shot. same yeah. yeah they shoot them all the same and they want them all slick and I was like I don't want to do that so we had I don't know how many cameras we have. we had them everywhere but the main thing I had them all in the crowd mm. so your, the camera guys are always fighting through the people to shoot the stage mm-hmm. And it makes it feel like you're there as opposed to they always stand in front of the crowd when they shoot. Mm. And it's so clean and it's so perfect. And we didn't mix it like the sound is the sound because, well, you know, that's the other thing. You watch live videos, you know, this is not a live. We re- recorded it video. all in the studio. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious it's live because, you know, if we made mistakes, we said, ah, we right. just left
4: it in. We didn't fix it. and But that's real rock <laughs> and roll, man. Yeah. I mean that that's the cool thing about it and 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 you know your fans will forgive that because in the in the moment, it's like, oh my God,
3: well, that's the thing people forget you don't want to i mean maybe they don't forget, but I mean so many people use backing tracks, vocal backing tracks, I'm mm-hmm. shocked at sometimes, so people don't understand like you know your vocals can't come out perfect when it's hundred and fifty degrees, and you're dying
4: up there, and, there's and you're the, putting on a
3: show sound like the record, yeah, I don't know. Because it feels like someone just kicked me in the stomach yeah. while I'm trying to do this song.
4: Well, yeah, you were in—you uh, played Jacksonville last week. Yeah, we were there too. And how hot was it there?
3: It was pretty brutal, but that was a good crowd. Oh, though. great crowd. They were great. Sure,
4: but but it's funny though. Like sometimes I'll use the mic stand as a as a prop to hold me up. Yeah. If you hit a note and you just get that lightheadedness, you know,
3: and you feel yourself, it hasn't happened in a while, <laughs> but it happened a couple of times on Ozfest where it would just be so hot, you'd have that one second of. Loopiness and blacking <laughs> yeah. and you feel yourself falling off the stage and you're like whoa and you catch yourself What well, actually happened?
4: you mentioned that uh, you know you directed and edited this when did you start getting the I guess the freedom to be able to do that I mean when you first start out as a band you're not going to say I'm doing the videos and they're going to go okay Rob like, well
3: I did and they didn't want me to I mean I, when the first White Zombie video was sort of like a weird thing where I had to hire somebody else but I really just did it myself mm-hmm. and did it all myself but they wouldn't trust me and then by the second video but by after a point, well it would be weird because I go like, I know what I want, I want to do this. But they're like, well, But this guy did the Paul Abdul video. I go, that's Exactly. That's right. why I really don't want to do it. And I just felt like if it was always done by me not not because I'm so great, but if it was always done by me in real it would always laugh it's your but, vision right but you see so many bands videos and even the bands embarrassed, where they go eh, we didn't really want to we didn't mm-hmm. really want to dress up like cavemen but the director said <laughs> it would be cool so we did it and,
4: and it could kill you I remember remember, remember billy squire rock you tonight that's the classic that's the classic video. career ender right <laughs> you know
3: that guy was so hip man everyone <sighs> i remember everyone loved him in high school and then like overnight it was like He's dead to me. Yeah, like there was a,
4: you know for people that haven't seen it, Billy Squire, the Stroke, and everybody wants him. He was just a cool, like amazing guitar riffs, and funky. Worked. And then he did Rock You Tonight, where he had like all white, kind of an eighties baggy like pants, flash dance sweatshirt, and he sorta. was doing the flash dance, and they were throwing happened? paint on him. And that's the nightmare, right? You never want to have to deal with that.
3: And some guys going, No, Billy, it'll look cool. It'll look cool. <laughs> okay, I Tell
4: you, Billy, this will be a big one for you. It's a game, game changer. I always
3: tell bands, especially photo shoots, because I won't do anything. Mm-hmm. and i'm always like why do you just cuz the guy's holding the camera doesn't mean you have to do what he says cuz they're always wanting you to do something stupid
4: right right right, right. is um, that what you mean i won't do anything you want yeah. it? you're going to do what you're going to do
3: i I go- I always say well this is what i'm going to do and that's it you only need one picture yeah that's so right. why do i have to do 500 stupid things
4: well it's funny too. when you do a photo shoot it's like if you look if you like i always look at a couple of the first 5 or 6 yeah. and if you get one like especially with a band if every guy in the band looks cool yeah we got it yeah, we're done, done. cuz the more you try and look cool The less you look cool. Yeah,
3: and everybody gets uptight. Well, the funny thing is now we don't even do photo shoots anymore. What we do, we've done for the last several records, and for all of our photos, is we just pass the camera back and forth between each other, (laughs) and they take the pictures. And if there's the four of us together, we just like when the tour manager comes, we're like, "Hey, Sully, take our picture," (laughs) and that'll literally. And those are usually the ones that work. Yeah, we we have not done a real photo shoot in probably. 7 years. All your photos are exactly <laughs> the way you want them. Yeah, it's funny.
4: Did you do uh like film production or any directing or any filming like when you were, you know, in college for example? No, before? I mean,
3: I went to college for fine arts. And I quit after two years. while well, I technically got kicked out. Mm-hmm. But because I stopped, you know, because I lived in Haverhill, Massachusetts, which is so boring. Mm-hmm. Moved to Manhattan. So I just wanted to go crazy. Right. So going to school was like, yeah, right. So, you know, just went out every night and hit every club and did everything and saw every band. So my grades just sunk so low. that they Yeah. yeah. Me out. You couldn't fall past a certain point, which I fell way past. <laughs> But no, I didn't have any experience with that at all. I just knew I wanted to do it. I mean, as a kid, like every kid, you had a Super 8 camera. We made mm-hmm. our own movies and stuff, but that I don't know if that, that doesn't count. Um, do you
4: remember any of those movies?
3: Yeah. The funniest thing, though, is I filmed a sequel to Escape from New York. Oh. Where I played Snake Plissken, because I was the only one who had long hair. <laughs> and it just that's why it was so funny years later. Um, well, actually, before I redid Halloween, uh-huh. which is funny, I... had met Kurt Russell because I did a song for Escape from L.A. Right. And I had a picture from it. I go look check this out It was just so weird You know whatever 25 years Hey Kurt yeah. Russell Look at me dressed as you Isn't <laughs> yeah. this really stupid And now you feel Really weird right <laughs> <laughs> Really
4: awkward For everyone Yes for all involved I wish I hadn't <laughs> Said a word But it was funny I, I walked out of, a, of An apartment building In New York A couple of years ago And you know, some, you know New York's a busy city I just yeah. I bumped into someone Like legitimate Like a real Like a Ugh! Yeah. And I turn around It's kind of this Old looking guy He's got big glasses On him I, oh, I'm so sorry He's like Oh no problem Hey do you know Where 22nd street is And I'm like uh, Yeah it's that way and i'm realizing oh my gosh it's kurt russell oh. and beside him is goldie hahn oh nice and they're just walking and they're like look like you know nice yeah, like, yeah. kind of a good looking older couple but i was just like and then as you walk oh thanks oh, for telling i was like snake pluskin like what do you say right like i'm that guy now just like you said like i just gotta let it go man just let it go he's so nice
3: i remember when my wife sherry loved goldie hahn and we met her at something and she like just uh,
4: yeah yeah exactly she well it's it's amazing mm-hmm. when you meet your heroes and i mean you mentioned earlier uh you know touring with alice and you yeah. guys have a really close relationship that was the best that's pretty cool right like after you know oh yeah
3: that was surreal because you know i love touring but most of the time you know this is not a slag on anybody you tour with bands that maybe you're not a fan of mm-hmm. and even if you are it's not really your thing and mm-hmm. you know, but touring for with, business reasons well yeah i mean just because yeah. you got to tour with somebody that's right but um But touring with Alice was like, that was the only time I, well, no, the Ramones too. When we toured
4: with the Ramones. Oh, you toured with the Ramones. Well, the
3: Ramones opened for White Zombie on one of their last tours. Oh, that's cool. That was fun. That was like 95 maybe. That was exciting because I'd watch that every night. But like with Alice. And that's totally
4: your call. Yeah, no. You brought them on. No,
3: we overpaid to have them on the tour back then. Just for
4: the sense you can say we toured with the Ramones. Because
3: I remember our management going,
4: you're paying them too much
3: money. They're not worth it. And we go, I don't care. Yeah, we have the Ramones on stage every night.
4: <laughs> how 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 were they as guys? You know, I mean, obviously Joey and, and Johnny. They were great. Now. I mean,
3: I um I was closest to Johnny. You know, me and Johnny hit it off really right away. I mean, they're all super cool, and Joey was very very nice. But I sort of hit it off with Johnny, and um we stayed friends right till he died. You know, for whatever ten years, man, that's right pretty. Because he moved to L.A. and then we hung out all the time. Okay. Because right. I actually convinced him to move to L.A. because he was hardcore New Yorker. You know all know those I mean? guys, right? Yeah. yeah.
4: You can't even understand them hardly and with then the accents. And he moved to L.A. And uh, he was just like, Mr. L.A. <laughs> <So anyway. laughs> um, you were talking about Alice, though?
3: Yeah, but the Alice thing was just like, because like, this is this guy you always love. And touring with him, though, but it seemed like this is what it would be like to tour in the 70s. This was the touring I imagined as a kid, <laughs> you know? And that was just so cool
4: well i mean uh we keep talking about the 70s and i was born you know in 1970 as well so i love watching your movies because i get it i understand yeah. what you're going for i mean the tone of the movies the way, even the way you film them I i'm sure want everything to seem like it's still the even 70s. like the, the grainy <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: the grainy like film sometimes oh yeah and i always sit in post-production i'm like no we have to make it look worse yeah it looks too good
4: and i'm sure the studios were
3: like what oh yeah nobody likes that idea same thing with the home video like it Looks too good. That's <laughs> too clear. We literally filmed some of the home video with someone's iPad because the cameras now are so good mm-hmm. and the lenses are so good that it's so
4: it's all HD. Yeah, that it there. looks
3: like a, it looks like a soap opera. Right. So I'm like, we have to degenerate it enough so it looks like song remains the same. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or I remember
4: when Cliff All came out, the first Metallica yeah. home video. It was all fan footage. To me, that's cooler than
3: yeah. you know the new super expensive 3D movie with all the edits and everything. Yeah, I like Cliff and Mall.
4: This, this is Talk is Jericho. Rob Zombie, new live DVD release, the zombie horror picture show. New book out as well, companion piece. You know we're going to talk all things zombie musically and, of course, movie-wise. He's a director, made some great horror movies. He loves horror movies. I watched, um, when I heard we were going to be doing this, it just so happened, out of pure coincidence, that um, Devil's Rejects was on, and I hadn't seen it in a while. For some reason, I was thinking... Because I, you know, I loved both of those movies, but they're both very depressing. Mid-tour. It's like if you're talking in wrestling terms, bad guy gets the heat on the good guy, bad guy beats good guy, bad guy kills bad guy, bad guy goes away yeah. and lives, and then bad guy, is yeah. Very fine. <laughs> but I mean, I'm ever thinking, okay, well, you know, Devil's Rejects, I think wasn't as bad, but dude, it, I mean, there is some twisted stuff in there in a great way. Like some images, I still can never get it out of my head that that you know the dude cuts the guy's face off and then puts it on his own wife's face i mean that is like one of the sickest things that happens every day yeah Chris. it's crazy you right get used to it yeah. <laughs> so tell, tell us about house of a thousand Corps. i mean this is when you're in the height of of rob zombie you just went solo you know yeah uh, if, let's see how did dragula is huge how
3: did that all go down i it's i start getting vague you know that was just a weird oh i remember how it went down what happened was um yeah i'd done Billy. that was all happening and i had done a Halloween event at Universal Studios around 1998. Or you did like 99. A Haunted House? Yeah, and it was based on my album. It called like the... I forget what it was called. But it was like You Walk Through My Head and each room was one of the songs. Mm-hmm. It was on the Universal lot. And then the next year, they asked me to come back and do one. And I just thought of his title. I, I go, oh, I get this idea. We're going to call it House of a Thousand Corpses. And that was just going to be the Halloween Just event. A Haunted House. And then through that, I started meeting people within the studio system. And one day... This, his name was Kevin Misher he was like that. I think he was the head of production he was like hey do you have any ideas for movies and I didn't at all mm-hmm. but I had that title so I quickly made something up sort of half ass on the spot with that title he's like hmm interesting <laughs> and then I kind of made up a movie around it later and it all it was
4: well I mean but you just I mean it was funny because around just that just time like frame it. early 2000s I mean, that's kind of when Hostel came out. Eli Roth, good friend of of, of both of ours, I assume. Uh, He was kind of like the the whole kind of splatter porn. You guys, your movies are right in there. There There's a bunch of, It's kind of a real, not just a pushing of the envelope, but this kind of real twisted, uncomfortable style of film.
3: Yeah, because Corpses, well, Corpses was made way before those films, like Mm -hmm. a couple years before, but it sat in the vault for so Mm -hmm. long because Universal didn't want to release it. And then Lionsgate put it out, and it did really well for them. And then they put out Eli's first film, Cabin Fever. Right. And then that did well. And um, I remember Eli, when I first met Eli, I was like, oh, man, thanks for that. Because if your film hadn't done good, they weren't going to get behind Cabin <laughs> Fever. But then they did. And we kind of ran a similar path for minute. And then I did Rejects. And then I think he did Hostel after that. So we were sort of like mm-hmm. you know, one. And we we're, were always working with Lionsgate at the time.
4: So they and, called um, you guys the Splat Pack.
3: Yeah. Because <laughs> at first it was nothing like that. Because when I did Corpses... Horror, there was like no horror in theaters. It's no, the horror point.
4: that was going on there was like uh, Scream, where they're making fun of horror yeah, at that point. And
3: yeah, and that put sort of put the nail in the coffin because mm-hmm. oh, we've now made fun. Scream was to me the equivalent of like you know Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. It's like, <laughs> we have nowhere else to go with this, so let's just make, let's fun make it of a it. comedy. Yeah, yeah, and then it was dead. And I remember Universal was doing movies like that Viva La Flintstones and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the type. Of, they didn't want to do horror. They said it flat out. They saw my film was so low budget, it sort of got made under the radar. So that when it was done and they saw it, they're like, uh, "When I'm putting this out, who are we kidding?" Oh wow! Yeah, it, but you know, then it was all good, and you know, then came. I remember when I was um, editing rejects; they had just
4: finished up Saw, the first Saw, mm-hmm. and by that point, it was all blown wide open. You know, yeah, exactly. Then it was kind of there was no rules after that. You always kind of paid homage, though, to to you know the movies of the '70s. Great cameos. In all your movies, well, yeah, I always loved all those actors, and I always wanted to work
3: with them. Unfortunately, it took so long that <laughs> either they're seventy years old or they're no longer yeah. with us. But you saw some good <laughs> ones,
4: though. Like, I mean, like, like Leslie Easterbrook. I remember, like, wow, like that's Police Academy chick. That's the, the hot yeah. Police Academy chick. Her. I mean, some of the people, like
3: Jeffrey Lewis, was someone I always wanted to work yes. with. Yes, from all the Clint Eastwood movies, I loved, especially like Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I think that was one of the first movies I ever saw. That driving,
4: yeah, 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 that oh. great. And, you know, all those people. Deborah Van Valkenburg from the Warriors. Yeah, from the Warriors. She was great. (laughs) And it would be
3: like, what would happen was some of the people I would search out Mm -hmm. because I was like, I got to get this guy. But then sometimes there'd be a role and I'd be like, oh, and I don't know who to get. And then people would just come in and read because a lot of those people hadn't worked in a long time. Right. Yes. You know, it's almost
4: the Tarantino vibe where they're getting guys and and putting them back on the map because they hadn't done anything in a while.
3: Because after you, you know, especially for an actress, once you're like after a certain age, you know, you're playing. The mom on the Pillsbury yeah. dough commercials, <laughs> yeah, that's right. you know. So to, to to get like yeah, because these you, actresses that that's they, a good point because a lot of them, especially in the new movie like Lords of Salem, like Meg Foster mm-hmm. and Judy Geeson and all those people, they were like you had PJ had, Souls yeah, and you they had they haven't had a job in like eleven years. Eg Daly, yeah, Eg Daly was she was funny. She was, still, she came she was in still hot too. second. She was hilarious.
4: You know, and then well, then when you did the Halloween movies, I mean, how much of a Of a, I mean, responsibility was that one. I feel feel almost like JJ Abrams doing the new Star Wars. Maybe it was me being naive,
3: but I didn't really think about it because Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, yes, in 1978, John Carpenter made this amazing movie that I love. Yeah, but it's that's 30 years ago, and to me, the sequels got so bad after a while that I'm like, what's there to do? Right, you know. It didn't seem like a big deal to me. I mean, after the fact, I, you know, there was a bunch of Halloween fans that were like, oh, what's happening? But to me, I was like, as long as we can make Michael Myers look like he's supposed to and make it cool again and make it hardcore, mm-hmm. and not make it goofy where, you know, like Buster Rhymes is kung fu fighting Michael Myers. I go, <laughs> oh, we should be good. <laughs> you know? I remember I saw
4: that in Detroit. I was in Detroit and I went to that. I can't remember which one it was, H2O or something. Uh, yeah, one of the last and when Buster ones. got killed, there was a, a, a black girl in the front And She went, oh, Buster! Uh, yeah. And it just killed the whole, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on oh buster I mean, no. that's, that's how i see those movies yeah so it becomes a joke know. right <laughs> um but, but i mean but so so the, the, did you ever talk to john carpenter about it did you get well i had known tips? john carpenter or?
3: from since escape from la because mm-hmm. i had uh met him i do I mean oh because i did a song for the, the song for it right? he said, "Oh, come down to the set i went down to the set and hung out with him one night while i was shooting and i was uh, super nice guy and sort of always slightly stayed in touch i would see him at mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. not like in a big way but um, yeah, before the news got announced, I called him up and I was like, hey, I still remember the conversation. I go, hey, John, it's Rob. Um, I just want to tell you before the news comes out, I'm going to do a remake of Halloween. And there's a, a weird silence. And he goes, yeah. So what do you want me to say? <laughs> I go, well, I don't really want you to say anything. I don't care. I just thought you should know. He's like, OK, that's good. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Whatever. Really? But he didn't care. Yeah, whatever. Right? Him, it's like he made this movie 35 years ago or something for like nothing. Yeah. The, the I mean, piddly he, budget. it wasn't like he was in excited I was doing it or insulted I was doing it it was like you know it is what it is it at this like, point it, yeah it's like talking about his high school yearbook he didn't
4: really <laughs>
3: give <it. laughs> but I thought out of respect I should well, tell as you yeah that's cool
4: man absolutely <laughs> it's cool so I mean we're talking about the 70s what are some of your favorite like horror movies are they all 70s based well
3: no I mean really a lot of them are 30s based I mean I really there's certain periods of, like I really love the stuff from the 30s the classic stuff mm-hmm. like all the universal you know
4: Frankenstein, Frankenstein Wolfman. Wolfman
3: Mummy stuff then I really like a lot of the Hammer stuff when Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing sort of redid all those mm-hmm. movies, I really like those films, and then I like in the seventies when things kind of took that nasty turn with Wes Craven and Toby hoover making, you know, one of Chainsaw Sean Cunningham, and him, stuff. yeah, yeah. And then I hated the eighties. I hated everything about the eighties.
4: All this, like the, the slasher films,
3: everything. I hate the horror movies. I hate the fashion. I hate the hair. <laughs> I hate the music. The eighties should have never happened for me. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think every my life stopped. I. It, Somewhere around 1978, I stopped caring about what was going on in the world.
4: <laughs> Truly, click back in yeah. in '98 when you were able to bring it back. Exactly, I just didn't care. It, it, you know, it's um, you know you talk about some of the movies from the '70s and Halloween, obviously you mentioned, but I always loved when they uh, Dawn of the Dead was one of my. One yeah, tops. I love that movie. And when they remade it, I was really against it. Like you know, with, with Halloween, I was like, okay, this is Rob's movie. I was a fan of your movie, well, so by I was the like, time cool. I
3: remade it, I thought, well, people are used to it. But I was the same way when they first announced Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that seems weird.
4: But, um, you know, and in retrospect, I thought they did a pretty good job of it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I thought Zack Snyder did a really good job and I enjoyed it when I saw it. But at the same time, it's one of those things you, you can never. I get it now mm-hmm. more so by having gone down that road. It's like you can't. It's like, well, wait, I'm going to get you a new mom and you're going <laughs> to like new mom better than old mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, it's like you love. I mean, I saw Dawn of the Dead a thousand times and I loved it to death. And, you know, even if the no matter how good the new one was, I still was going to love the old one more because it couldn't. The old one's so tied into your life. Yeah, you grew up you with can't...
4: it. It's, it's like a band. you like a good yeah. record. Like Van Halen 1 will always be the best Van Halen record, yeah, and no it, matter what. And it you. doesn't
3: matter if they re-recorded or something. Yeah. It's not going to be the, the same, same moment in time when you first heard it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. It was, it, I was talking, I had Tom Savino on my show a couple months ago, and just not only the fact that you you grew up with it, but it, it was, it's natural. There's no CGI yeah. back then. There was no budget. They, they were given like, here's some tubes of, of green makeup yeah. and Make these twenty people look like they're dead. You know all the different stuff that they had to do to make it work. Yeah, it was all it was pioneer pioneering stuff.
3: I think this. I don't like CGI. I mean, I know there's a purpose for it. Like Mm -hmm. that, if it's it's like any tool, if used the right way, it's great. Right. But what I like about those films is there's something about CGI for me, and I think audiences do that. Like too much of it, and you just check out. Yeah. Because you know, like, nothing I'm looking at is real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. I've got a bunch of actors who are looking awkward because I know they spent six months on the green screen. Mm-hmm. But something about those movies where, like, there was really... Well, Donna that the Dead's not a great example, but since we're talking about, like, there was those actors in that mall yeah. all night shooting that. That's right. And that's what, like... You know, like I like when I make a movie. If everyone looks freezing cold and you can see their breath, it's because they're freezing cold and you can see their breath. It's not like we shot it in a, in a stage and we CGI'd breath coming out. We which I know people do different things, but I just like the realness. It's How almost I feel like you can th- feel it. Like you can feel in rejects that
4: everyone is sunburnt, hot, yeah, and miserable as we were. Like, did you? Did you oh, yeah. Did you film like the? I mean, the majority of it takes place in that hotel room. Did you have to? Like lengthen it, or was it actually the hotel room the whole time? No,
3: what we did was um, the exterior of the hotel was in Palmdale. Mm -hmm. this a sort of abandoned hotel. And then we rebuilt the interior of the room inside a barn out at this ranch. Okay.
4: Yeah. You could just feel the the, the, the claustrophobicness
3: of that. and that really worked too because, you know, it was a four-wall set, so when you're in there, it was just the actors and the cameras. And Everyone started getting weirded out because uh, you know after eight hours, even though you know it's fake, it sort of is happening right in front of you yeah. all day long. I remember Brian Posehn started getting weirded out. Really? Yeah, because he was dead at that point. He's just laying. He's like, oh, Rob but he this. had to lie there for but he had to the whole listen yeah. To it all day. And I know that was starting <laughs> to
4: bug him. <laughs> is there is there any type of movies that you wanted to make that that aren't kind of in the horror genre?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was working on this Philadelphia Flyers movie for oh, a long no time way. called Broad Street Bullies, but that's on hold because. That got real sticky with just um, dealing with the, you know, when you make up your own stuff. Right, 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 You can, there's no problems. But with the NHL, it was like, you got to clear the licenses of every team, every player. So was it a
4: factual? Yeah, it was a a true
3: story of the team, which is, you know, essentially like a crazier slap shot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Once again, the truth is crazier than fiction. fiction. But I have another project that, the next project is more in the horror vein, but then the project after that that's finally locked in is... Couldn't be further from horror than you know.
4: Which is kind of what you were saying earlier. With you had your stage show, it got so crazy. How much can you top it? Yeah. I could see you doing like a romantic comedy or yeah, something like that. Just you know,
3: because I like all types of movies mm-hmm. when they're good. You know, mm-hmm. everybody does. I mean, a lot of times people like try to act like they're all hardcore and they only watch this or that. But I know that's all bullshit.
4: Especially as an artist. Yeah. You know? Did you? Have, did you? F- I mean, I know from this. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band and I wanted to be a wrestler. It's Those are so my two yeah. dreams, and it's like. <laughs> People would, like look at me like I'm insane. I was just like, I don't care. I'm going to yeah. do it. But people always, well, not always, not so much now, but at the first, it's like, well, you can't be in a band. You can't possibly sing. You're a wrestler. And it's yeah. like, did you ever get that? It's like, you can't direct a movie. You're a rock guy. Oh, yeah,
3: no, I mean, well, first of all, your friends are the first ones to stop you. Because yeah. they're like, God forbid Jericho would make it happen. I'm going to feel so bad about <laughs> yeah, myself. That's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they're the first ones to get in your way. Um, but yeah, no, because... It's a miracle that you have any success in one field, mm-hmm. and then to try to move it into another field, everybody's like, oh, man, give me a break. Yeah. Now, he th- who does this guy think he is? But I think as long as you're pa- – you know, and, and as you know, you don't do it for the success part. Right. If that comes, great. Mm-hmm. You do it for the, the the art of it that you love it. Yes. Because it doesn't matter to me. Like, you know, Halloween was a big success. It came in at number one. And was made a fortune, but there was things about the movie I wasn't happy with. So mm-hmm. that always bothered me.
4: Was that your highest grossing movie? Yeah. Okay. I
3: think so, yeah. Yeah. And even though it was number one, I was still like, man, I wish I Could have been better. And then other movies that I haven't done as well, but I knew I got it right, I'm like happy. Like, it's only about the thing. I don't mm-hmm. care about the other It's stuff. about the
4: accomplishment and pushing yourself as an artist. Yeah, that's all that matters. You know, you're right.
3: And that's why sometimes I feel like people forget that, and that's why they don't. They're not worried. They're not trying to be different. They're trying to be the same because they think that's the quickest path to success.
4: Mm-hmm. P- people want to put themselves into a box and say, you know, if you're this, you can only do this. But uh, yeah. now it is more about not your brand in a cheesy way, but it's your brand, the Rob Zombie brand. Well, you know? yeah,
3: I mean, now it's almost like if you just say, or yeah, <laughs> if you go to a record label and like, what do you do? Oh, I just I'm, I'm in a, a band. singer yeah come back to us when you wrestle too <laughs> you know, cause they don't want just that anymore they want the yeah. whole we need more than that buddy
4: <laughs> Well, so, and, you, and you've done some stuff with WWE with, with and Raw are, were you a wrestling fan or are you a wrestling fan
3: I don't watch it now really mm-hmm. so much but when I was a kid I would always go my parents would always take me to Boston Garden but that Classic. was always like well, it was like you know Bruno Sam Martino yeah and yeah yeah Haystacks Calhoun and Chief J Strongbow and right. G- I got to see George Animal Steel a bunch of times and Meal Mascaris. I was very excited to have seen Meal Masqueros interesting wrestle. And I was in the second row, and he jumped off. You remember, wrestling seemed a lot nastier in the seventies. Yeah, with less rules. Beating a guy in the head with a chair, right? And I was probably in second grade, and I'm like, (laughs) Mom, don't you think this is uh, inappropriate for me? I guess not. He's bleeding everywhere, but we'll keep watching. (laughs) You know.
4: I remember we went once, probably about the same time frame, maybe (laughs) 81 82. and they were chanting at a girl, uh, one of the valets, the whole crowd, show your tits, show your tits. And my dad was sitting. I'm like, oh, my dad's gonna be so mad. I turn around, he's just kind of smiling. He's like, this is wrestling, son. <laughs> it's like that's why we're here you can actually <laughs> say that here i love this oh, man. <laughs> so, so you always had appreciation for it because i know there's been a few times when you've come and done raw well yeah no i always have because i,
3: I love the entertainment of it all like um oh, i did raw maybe a couple years ago mm-hmm. but i got to hang out longer and see the the, the behind the, the, the scenes yeah, and we'll see vince come in and change the whole program <laughs> and watch all the wrestlers freak out at the last minute like <laughs> we've yeah. been rehearsing this all day and now this is happening that's exactly right. right Why, you know, I, you know I've known a bunch of wrestlers over the years you know Diamond Dallas Page was a good friend for a long time he, he was, was in Rejects yeah he was in Rejects and at that point was when he had just started you know his yoga thing yeah he had just started it and he would come over to my house every single day and make me do yoga and at first I was like this is so lame but then after a while it really does dude, work dude I was messed up a couple <laughs> years ago and really Page good. called
4: me and I was like like you said yoga's for like hippies and East yeah. Indian gurus like so I'm gonna
3: teach you how to breathe you're gonna teach me, how, okay, D. Yeah. Or
4: and then, <laughs> lo and behold, I did it, and it and it cured. You know, it cured yeah. what ailed no, me. No,
3: it's great. I saw him, he was on Shark Tank.
4: Yeah. Did you See that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, historical. yeah. He should he should have got it. Actually, you know, it's funny. It just reminded me. I actually auditioned for Devil's Rejects. You did for the part that Paige got, and the casting director was like, "You're just too pretty." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I guess that's a compliment." Why Why can't that's I be probably, uglier? That
3: probably is what they said because I was always saying that, like. Before I got Danny Trejo for the other part, they kept uh-huh. sending me people. I go, man, this guy next to DDP, I need another mug yeah. next to him. You know, what, what, no, was he was
4: DDP Rondo or was Danny Rondo? Danny was Rondo. That's the one. That's DDP
3: like, was always in. I yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I always knew he was going to do it. it was like, Rob, you got to hook me up. <laughs> come on, bro. The master bro. promoter, right? Yeah. Come on, bro.
4: Bro, come on. I'll send you for yoga. Dad, like right
3: down the street from him. Me. Mean, so uh, he was cool. And um,
4: yeah, I remember it was Rondo was the one that yeah, I, and I just for. Oh, right. Yeah.
3: And then. Uh, I didn't know Danny at that point, but he was cool. He was funny.
4: Do you like the Machete movies?
3: I love Danny in those movies. Yeah, I think, yeah. You know the movies are cool. I like the first one better than the second one. I think, mm-hmm. but sometimes the actors get. Cam- I think they get campy because they're cameoing. Mm-hmm. But I love watching Danny. He's so.
4: He plays it so straight. So
3: straight. Yeah, that's why I love it.
4: Like when he's reading the script and it yeah. says Machete, don't text. It's like, yeah. probably not the best line, but the way he delivers Stupidest it is line so in the world yeah. only he could deliver. <laughs>
3: but it's like. Uh, you know, Danny's funny. One day he sat. He was talking to me. He's like, you know, uh, I wish I could do a good Danny impression." Yeah. So, you know, he goes, Rob, I'm going to bring my A game for this movie. Sometimes I show up, I got to admit. I bring my B game, sometimes my C game. Like he's got the, during the, to compare, compare the level Different of levels. A yeah. to the level of game he's bringing to your production. I go, oh, that's just too funny. <laughs>
4: yeah. Who are your favorite directors?
3: I mean, I really, you know, it sounds so ridiculous and snooty but I really like watching foreign films mm-hmm. because I feel like now like American films are so formulaic mm-hmm. like that's the, that's the point of them Major studio that movies. I feel like I can't learn anything from them like right. I'm like the, you know you watch the trailer here's all the beats you know how it's gonna lay out you know how the movie's gonna end or go just by whose castle I mean I really like going back I like you know I really love things like Ingmar Bergman Plastic it sounds ones, so right? like snooty and stupid <laughs> to say but um, that's the type of stuff I always like to watch
4: did you ever get into J-horror at all? The Japanese horror movies,
3: like back in the day, but not mm-hmm. so much now. I mean, it's really weird. I I rarely watch horror movies because it seems like I've seen everything. Yeah, and yeah. if I'm not, and if I haven't seen it, it's usually something that's so shit that it, there's a reason why I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just always anything where I I like watching something where I, at the end of it I go oh, that director's brilliant. <laughs> just the shots you know, just and everything, like, just right? Everything yeah. about it, we go that guy. Like you know, um, a modern movie. Ah, I forget it won best academy award for like a foreign film last oh okay um, who cares one of those ones but i want <laughs> shit i can't blank it um but um, you, you're just watching you go
4: god damn. you just can learn from that yeah. yeah zombie horror picture show is the dvd uh, may 19th well, the exact opposite of what i was just talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, yeah, the, the shameless gene simmons let's turn it back to why we're here and you got a book coming out with it too is that kind of a companion
3: piece it kind of is and it kind of isn't i mean i gave it the same title but um this photographer Rob Fenn was on the road with us yeah. for the whole tour. Oh, you great photographer, you. yeah! And he was backstage and on stage and everywhere and um, put together this really cool book.
4: Have Have you ever thought about writing a, a book, an autobiography? No. Not your I thing? I don't
3: really want to tell anyone anything. <laughs> if I actually told the truth about how I feel about everything, I would have no friends. Everybody would hate me. <laughs> I'll keep it to myself. <laughs>
4: you, you guys are uh, going to do some new music soon? Or?
3: We started a record a couple months ago, and when this tour ends in about a week, we're going to go back to the studio and keep working.
4: It's great. You got a great band, man. John, John's oh, this a, guy's a phenomenal, great player and a sweetheart of a guy, too. John's the best. Did Ozzy ever try and steal him?
3: yes he's really like, John tell, everyone does John tells me he goes I just got a call from fill in the blank which is pretty much every band you can think of yeah. he goes I told him no thankfully so that literally would have been my entire band yeah
4: Ozzy had your, your rhythm section Yeah. he's in Sabbath
3: now John's the only one that stuck in
4: <laughs> well Rob thanks man I appreciate you doing this and I know you gotta really. sing as do I so uh, Good to keep rocking dude thanks
3: handshake. man handshake no camera but it happened
4: it did a handshake and we, we're, we're both wearing no pants <laughs> well
3: you do have underwear on <laughs>
4: All right, thanks to Rob Zombie for a, a great interview. Always fun to see him. Uh, very cool guy. And like you said, he loves the 70s. So do I. I also love being out on the rock and roll road with all of you rocking and rolling. Tour's almost done. The Lights Go Out Tour is wrapping up. We still have May 23rd in the Atlanta Prefecture, Duluth, Georgia at Wild Bills with Buck Cherry. We've got May 25th, Beckley, West Virginia at Munchies. That's just a Fozzie gig. May 26th, Connell Lake. PA Beach Club with Buck Cherry. May 27th, Oneonta, New York. Upstate New York, Oneonta Theater with Buck Cherry. May 28th, the listing party in New York City at Idle Hands to hear the new Fozzie record in its entirety. Two months before anybody else gets the chance to hear it. You do not want to miss that if you're a New York City area Fozzie fan. May 30th, Huntington, New York. Long Island area at the Paramount. May 31st, Philadelphia, PA Xfinity Live. June 14th, main stage at Download. It's our third time playing download and the biggest show uh, we've ever done there. Main stage. That's for the big boys. Linkin Park and Fallout Boy will be there with us that day. Kill Switch Engage as well. Then, of course, June 12th and 15th. Is London is Jericho. you got to get a ticket for this show. I promise you're going to love it. It's a spoken word question and answer session. Tap dancing. I'll be doing some live baking on stage. All of these great things at Leicester Square, June 12th and June 15th. Go Google that. London is Jericho to get tickets. There's a few tickets left. Um, The first show is getting actually both shows are getting close to sold out, but there's still tickets left. So if you want to come be a part of this, it's a really cool, unique experience. You are going to love it. I promise you're also going to love calling in to talk to me. I posted the number earlier on the Twitter at talk is Jericho. All right, let's head over to East Tennessee and talk to Corbin. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, Chris, I got a, I got a question. Why is JTG and Cody Hawkins still on the roster, but they don't get pushed?
4: Um. First of all, where in eastern Tennessee are you from?
1: Morgan County.
4: Okay, cool. I used, I, used, Knoxville. I used to live in Morristown, man. Did you? Yeah, Morristown. It was a dry county, which was kind of lame, but I lived there when I was working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling back. She's 20 years ago now, so beautiful part of the country. And... I don't know why they keep certain guys uh, on the roster that don't really work. I don't know if they if they maybe think that somehow the guys will find something new. Or I've always I've often wondered that myself because you see guys that show up every week on TV and they just they're just there. They don't ever work. Maybe do a dark match once in a while. Maybe do a live event once in a while. But, um, I can't answer that question. It would seem to me either, you know, poop or get off the pot. If you're going to do something with the guy, do it. And if not, then, then let them go, uh, and see if they can go find, uh, find something else somewhere else. But it's kind of the eternal question. I'm not sure.
1: It's not like they ain't got no talent. Case can do with life.
4: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had uh, a couple really good matches with JTG as well, especially when he was doing the crime time thing. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, put them together as a tag team and see how it works. I mean, there's, there's tons of guys like that. If you're looking at, you know, Tyson Kidd or Justin Gabriel or, you know any guys? The, the, there's 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 plenty of them that you just think Alex Riley. Like what are you doing with these guys? Either use them or don't. So I'm sure the guys might feel differently. Maybe they like just being on the roster and making making money. But it's not like you're making much money. You know if you're not on the road and not working, it's not like you're you know coming out getting rich off it. You're probably owing them money if, more than anything. So I, I agree with you. I don't know why they do it, but uh, I would at least give them a shot and see how they go. You know with one last. One last chance, and if not, then move on to the next uh, next phase of your life. All right, let's go across the pond for a rare call from England. Kim from the Midlands. Hello, Kim. Cheerio. Wow.
2: Cheerio.
1: Jericho, hello. How are you? Dude, I'm freaking out in my living room. I'm talking to Los Angeles.
4: <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. It's good to hear the worldwide uh, appeal of Talk is Jericho. Where, where, oh, dude, whereabouts are I you? I can't
1: tell you. Oh, we're in um, in Stoke-on-Trent, in the Midlands.
4: Oh wow! I love it.
1: Yeah, we. Um, I totally nearly bit your hand off at the underground in Stoke-on-Trent last year. <laughs>
4: <laughs> why? Why was my hand in your mouth?
1: <laughs> oh, I was. I was pure rocking out to a crazy fuzzy set. It was incredible. Oh, that's. I'm actually. Oh my god! I'm, this is going to be really stalkerish. But I'm pure looking at the set list you gave me right now.
4: <laughs> oh, and, wh- and where, was, where was that show at?
1: Uh, it was at the Underground in Stoke-on-Trent.
4: Oh, okay. Who did we play with? Was that with Ugly Kid Joe? Oh, uh,
1: it was with. Um,
4: soil? Uh,
1: yeah, Soil. I'm sure it was Soil. It was, that's you know right. what? To be honest, yeah, I'm being nodded at. It was definitely Soil. All right, <laughs> that's who it
4: was. Ah, I Oh, cool, cool. So, what's your question was, today?
1: So we're um, I'm totally coming to Download Festival. It's going to be awesome. Linkin Park, Fall Out Boy, and Fuzzy, of course. Yeah. Um, how excited about it are you?
4: I mean, we're really excited. I mean, we were there in 2012, and we played. I mean, there's I think there's six stages, and we played on the second stage, and we were really early on in the day. And I yeah. remember the band before us had like. I don't know, 500 people there. And I was thinking, oh, well, it's going to be a small show. And then I'm not even kidding. When I came out on stage, it was like they had added a CGI crowd. There was like 25,000 people there. And that's for real. The picture is like there's as far as the eye could see was fans. And people were going nuts. And it was such a cool show. And it was early on in the day. So now, fast forward to 2014, and I guess we impressed Download so much that now we're playing early in the day but on the main stage. So we moved up a whole stage. Like I was thinking maybe we'll be higher up on the second stage, but now we're like playing with the big boys on the main stage. We're really, really excited. I mean, obviously it doesn't get much bigger than download, especially doing no, it on the main it's stage. Going to be
1: amazing.
4: You know, yeah, so I know that I'd I think Avenged is on Friday, Aerosmith is on yeah. Sunday, and our day is Linkin Park at the headline of the main stage, right? Yeah,
1: totally. Will you stick around and watch any of the bands that are about?
4: Uh, I'll watch all the. I won't go a day before or a day after. I have uh, spoken word like shows in London on the 12th and oh, the yeah. 15th. But on the 14th, I'll, yeah, I'll be wop- watching around. There's so many cool bands on that day. I mean, who else are you excited to see?
1: Uh, definitely Fallout Boy. Definitely Aerosmith. That's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Event 7 Fallen. And um, who else? Steel Panther as well. That's going to be incredible. Yeah.
4: the it's the, the- oh,
1: just. So many the, that whole weekend is. Just Are you going?
4: So, you, so, you're going for the whole weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Rock it up. No grown ups <laughs> all weekend. Why not? <laughs>
4: <laughs> and what do you do? Do you bring a tent and stay all, all weekend in the tent?
1: Yeah, we'll get there in the tent, bring the barbecue out. Oh, that's nice, awesome. They can breakfast. It'll be good. Come so much fun, right? will set you up with some
4: breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> now, were, were you there in 2012?
1: not in 2012 because no, I do it uh, the rain boring boring grown up from work but the, the rain the rain,
4: rain was awful and there was it was like a mud fest so hopefully the lovely english weather will hold out and, and you guys will get some sun <laughs> and have a, a good time so uh but yeah Kim well good i'm so glad that you called and look forward to uh to rocking with you at Download it's going to be awesome That's june 14th. i oh, be amazing
1: thank you so much my duet and skills for she's my addiction i'll be on that stage man it'll be incredible all
4: right (laughs) sing it loud we'll make sure we'll play that just for you (laughs) amazing thank Thank you. you
1: so much for taking my call
4: talk to you soon thank you
1: take care bye
4: bye thanks for your calls thanks to rob zombie thanks to all of you and thanks for using my Amazon link every time you do your online shopping. It's really easy to find. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho, and you see all three of my Amazon links in the UK, Canada. And everybody's going to Amazon. Amazon USA. Every time you do that, click on it. Amazon will kick back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week no extra fees no hidden charges you're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process go check out the new Rob Zombie live DVD the zombie horror picture show you can buy it right right there on Amazon do it he's got a book out as well so many cool things thank you for being here I know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts for you to listen to and the fact that you choose to spend uh, a couple times a week with me it warms my heart it warms my cockles believe me you don't want to see me with warm cockles it could get dangerous and sticky I'm Chris Jericho. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you next week in a fine
0: Weep! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastONE.com.